Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Wednesday, the 9th of August, and my name is Roman Canziani. On today's show, I'll be talking about the latest market news with John T. Warris, and I'm also joined by Dario Messi, who is going to update us on the latest news with regard to the ups and downs in the currently highly volatile fixed income asset class. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Roman. Well, this morning, Chinese stocks are trading lower on the back of significant data released overnight. Can you fill us in on the details, please? Yeah, that's right, Roman. The latest CPI data out of China for July shows that consumer prices fell for the first time in two years, which is prompting fears of deflation in the country. CPI worryingly dipped 0.3% from a year earlier. And meanwhile, Chinese producer price index PPI data also retreated for a 10th consecutive month, sliding 4.4%. And in fact, it's the first time since November 2020 that both CPI and PPI data have fallen in tandem, which can be taken as a clear sign of deflation pressure amid weakening demand. The Chinese Statistics Bureau released a statement saying that the drop in CPI numbers is due to the relative high base of comparison, adding that the dip is only like to be temporary. Well, and uh, how have markets reacted across the region then? Well, unsurprisingly, the news has spooked investors in the region and shares in Hong Kong and mainland China fell after the price data and are yet to recover with a sell-off in property stocks in particular. Uh, Japanese stocks are also trading in the red with the Nikkei down by 0.4% when I checked a moment ago. Uh, that said, there are a couple of bucks to the trend with the Korean Kospi trading up well over 1% and the Aussie ASX is also trading in the green, as are most US and Northern European futures. And the Chinese yuan also strengthened on the back of rather aggressive daily price fixing efforts by the People's Bank of China. And the Aussie dollar is also up. Moving closer to home in Europe, we saw renewed turmoil in markets yesterday following the surprise news on the Italian government's unexpected introduction of a tax on banks' windfall profits. And markets didn't like it, did they? That's right. The announcement of the 40% additional levy by Giorgio Maloney's government sent Italian bank stocks tumbling yesterday. And major stock indices globally were all in negative territory after traders were rushing into bonds following the news. Financials took the brunt of the sell-off and as a surprise, taxation on Italian banks' profits wiped off around 10 billion euros from the value of the country's banks. Uh, meanwhile, in a bid to try and restore some calm to its banking system, Italy has since issued a clarification on its new tax on uh, banks' windfall profits, saying that these would be capped at 0.1% of the firm's assets. Lenders that have increased the interest rates that they offer to depositors will not see a significant impact, according to the Italian finance ministry. Oh, well, yes, the Italian government is trying to contain the damage it caused, it seems. Could you give us a short roundup of how US markets fared in yesterday's trading session, please? Well, yes, it was a difficult day, all being told, Roman. The S&P 500 index closed down 0.4% yesterday, closing just below the 4,500 level. Uh, just three of its 11 sectors outperformed, with healthcare, utilities and energy leading the pack, with gains just shy of 1% each. And the S&P losses were led by financials and materials. In fixed income, the US two-year yields are steady at 4.75, while the 10-year yields fall one basis point to 4%, yesterday even dipping below the 4% level, ahead of CPI data, which is due out tomorrow. But we have Dario Messi on the show a little later, who I imagine will provide some more color on CPI expectations. 
Absolutely. But before we turn to Dario, what can we expect for the day ahead then? Well, after China already published its CPI data overnight, it's the turn of Mexico, Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine to publish their CPI data for July. Other than that, it's rather quiet on the data front, but we can expect the Bank of Italy to release its banks and money monthly statistics, and Ireland will release industrial production data for June. Singapore is celebrating its National Data Day, so markets there will remain closed. And lastly, in corporate earnings, Walt Disney is among the companies scheduled to release earnings reports today. And a quick look at the futures board currently shows that the US is set for a slightly positive open later today. Right. Uh, thank you very much, Shanti. Now, Dario, good to have you back on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Roman. Last week, we had quite a volatile bond market with all eyes on US treasuries. We had the US labor market data as one element driving yields, but we also saw the downgrade of the US sovereign rating. Can you fill us in on what happened there, please? Yeah, sure. And yes, you're right. It was uh, extremely volatile uh, last week, reminded us a bit of 2022 um, yeah, what happened, Fitch removed the top rating from the U.S., uh, was a downgrade then to um, AA+. Um, this is something that we saw already from S&P back in, in 2011. And this also means now that uh, with Fitch and S&P um, doing this step, that Moody's is the only one among the, the top three rating agencies that keeps the top rating uh, AAA. The reasoning that we had uh, behind the decision of, of Fitch was uh, the, the weakening fiscal position, um, so continued high deficits, and with that also a debt burden that will, will continue to go up. But probably more importantly was more the governance issue. So um, all these uh, discussions and debates about the, the debt ceiling and the debt limit, the standoffs between the parties, and this is certainly something uh, where Fitch said, okay, uh, this is now a reason to really downgrade from the top uh, rating. Um, you know, we somehow agree these last-minute deals to suspend or increase the debt ceilings are definitely not supportive. Um, we learned this also once again earlier this year. And, you know, at the end, politicians just use it in their budget negotiations. And this doesn't make really sense because the debt level and the past of the debt level is just the result of uh, already past legislation, so legislation that uh, has been agreed on already. So um, there is very limited sense in this kind of uh, debt ceiling uh, or debt limit rule overall. All right, but given all the noise around the downgrade and Fitch's arguments, is there any investment implication in your view? Uh, very limited um, and also likely not being a losing driver for, for yields and uh, financial markets more generally. You know, the, the U.S. Treasury notes, um, they remain just one of the most liquid and safest assets, uh, at least when we talk about the counterparty risk. And this also means that um, it will have a really special role also going forward. We also saw it just recently in the auctions and um, still really a lot of demand and really few alternatives also showing the similar characteristics like the U.S. Treasury. Um, there was the argument about possible forced selling. Also here, probably very limited given that the U.S. Treasury is often treated kind of a special instrument, a special vehicle. And um, this is also how it's treated in the investment policies. So also from the forced selling argument, probably very limited um, implications here. 
Okay, so the downgrade as such is not really a driver for US Treasury yields then, but still volatility across the bond markets is high right now, especially at the long end of the yield curve. So what are the drivers there currently? I mean, we saw some huge swings last week. Yeah, definitely very huge swings. I mean, the 30-year US Treasury, 30 basis points in a couple of days, this is uh, quite unusual. Um, I would say the downgrade of the US certainly was kind of a sentiment uh, trigger, uh, but as I said before, not a lasting one. And what is now more of a concern also going forward is, first of all, the updated supply outlook for treasuries. Um, so the, the US Treasury still has very high deficits. Um, also, when, when we just think about the state of the economy, it's, it's quite robust and still these high deficits. And this needs to be absorbed somehow uh, by the market, the issuance there. And on top of this, we also have the Bank of Japan. Um, this was always a long-term anchor for, for yields. Um, and this, as you know, uh, we discussed it, I think, also in this forum, um, was abandoned by the Bank of Japan, or at least the, the yield curve control is much more flexible now. We saw it already in the reaction, also in the market, already tested sometimes. And um, yeah, this flexible approach from the Bank of Japan also means really now that um, we have one anchor less at the long long term. Um, but well, talking about kind of the drivers, more the more immediate driver now, it's definitely uh, later this week, the CPI. Oh, yes, of course. Well, John, you mentioned it as well. The U.S. consumer price inflation data for July are about to be published tomorrow afternoon. So what can we expect there? And uh, do you think they are going to materially impact bond markets then? Any kind of uh, big surprises would definitely um, impact bond prices. We have uh, uh, in the cards, uh, in the expectations, a small uptick uh, of the headline inflation, at least to 3.3% year on year. Uh, from 3% earlier, um, but at the same time, and this is the, the focus uh, as always, is core inflation. Um, there, we'll, the expectation is that we see really kind of a robust 4.7%, but at least lower than the 4.8% of last year. Um, we think this should, however, not distract from the fact that underlying inflation pressure remains now rather disinflationary, also when we look at the different elements then. Um, and this will also cause then core inflation to recede going forward towards a more um, towards the Fed target. Uh, if there are any upside in the inflation data now, um, as we already said, we expect the Fed Reserve uh, to have enough reasons also together with the labor market data that we got um, last week to assume that uh, it has done enough now and uh, to contain inflation and also to remain on hold from here in September. Well, thank you very much, Dario, then. That's all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. Do join us again tomorrow when Helen will be back and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues, uh, including Niklas Jordan from our CIO office. So have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. 
please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.